Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. Welcome back to the Emerald Office. This is Full Focus Entrepreneur, the podcast for staying focused and getting focused on the right things in your business. Today, I am joined by Sabrina. Good morning, Sabrina. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So, Sabrina, tell us all a little bit more about what you do, and then we'll dive into our topic for today. Yeah, thanks for sharing the stage, and thanks everyone for listening. I am your typical busy bee. I pretty much never stop since I was little,、um, joining all the social boards, leading different things in the、uh, in my classroom and in my community, getting myself two bachelors, two masters, and just thought that guess what? Just because you are being a girl, and especially I'm Asian, typically is that. The male in the family are driven, are getting somewhere, right? My cousins and they're in、um, politics, running companies, and、um, I just thought myself, I'm no less smart, I'm no less capable, and I'm no less resourceful. So of course, I'm the one who got the most amount of degrees, got into medicine, and thought that yes, there's nothing I. Want to do but surgery, so I got myself into one of the well-known heart surgery center in the country, really in the world, because people will fly international to see us. Now I thought I made it at the time, but many of you might also know heart surgery is one of the most competitive fields in medicine, and I was pulling eighty hours per week, taking calls just about every night, and there's one month. I was literally in the hospital every day for thirty days straight, and one of my patients who got really sick and he was there the entire time. He knew what time of the day that I、uh, went to check on him. But it sounds funny now. I believe all of you guys who's listening, who has high demanding careers or created your own business, whether it's your primary or on the side, all experience this where. Despite how much we know about where we want to head to, what we already are able to take care of ourselves, when you put into any stressful situation or you put on the stress on you, things kind of just got through out the window of how we consider ourselves to have that harmony, that balance, to be able to say, "I work hard because," right, and then. If I really work hard for my family, or I work hard for myself, or I work hard for my community, did you actually do that? Or we're just in that spiral of saying yeses to the things that really truly robbing your precious time, energy, and sanity, and at the end of the day, are so distracted and discouraged by all these decision fatigue, and that's when I have to face the truth of. Wow. Okay. So it doesn't really matter what letters we have behind our names if we're not living in the way that we want to live and serving the people that want want to serve. Then all this are just BS. And so I went back to my root, which is neuroscience and public health, which I studied at about more than ten years ago: self-efficacy, self-care, and stress management. And also dive deeper into the areas of performance science, positive psychology. How do people, right, Olympia, these big sports,、uh, people who run billion-dollar companies, how can they keep up 
with having a life and making significant impact on the people and finances and all the way around. So that's where I pivoted and realizing there are things that we never thought about. And actually, it starts with personal efficiency. Then we can create that bulletproof environment that matches what we want to be in life. That is a really great origin story. Um, thank you so much for sharing it with us. It, it hits a little close to home because I've I've already told my husband he's he's entering uh, rotations in the in just a few months, and so we're talking about specialties for him. And I'm like, you can be anything but a heart surgeon. I would like to see you sometimes. So not heart surgery, uh, <laughs> and you can attest that if he becomes a heart surgeon, I won't get to see him. Right? I need I need a an expert source on that. Oh yes. Uh, so <laughs> if if he right now they have a newer track now, but traditionally they'll do a general surgery residency, critical care first mm-hmm. uh, for that first five years, and then they apply for fellowship for yeah. additional three years. And truly, yes, we we try to help out our fellows. We try to have additional people to cover nights and weekends, but it's still hard, right? You're still <laughs> the one who's responsible for everything, and when you are in those programs where you're that higher up. You don't have residents that you can just task things off. No, you are you it. You need the expertise of that. Right. So you come from this world. I have. I actually have a couple of friends who are married to uh, high-end cardiologists in, in my area, um, and they are constantly talking about how busy – their husbands are, um, and now they each have their own things going on, and their own, and they have kids to take care of as well. But regardless, one of them like has a job, owns a business, and has three kids, and still her husband is the more busy one. So I'm I'm telling this to everyone to to hopefully add a little more depth to your story there about the intensity of the background you're coming from. Because you came from that background, and you've pivoted to this space that is very much a completely different a, p- a completely different pace of life but then a, a new mission that's not uh, as direct you know patient care as it is sort of patient prevention because working in the uh, heart world i'm assuming you came across a lot of people who were in the medical positions that they were in because they led unhealthy high stress lives right and that's if you think about nowadays even these a problem before the pandemic happened. The way that we practice medicine is really broken. And especially when we are thinking about, are we allowing ourselves just complain and making more complaints and feel like it's the system problem, it's the insurance problem, it's the people I have in the office problem, right? I never have enough time, never have enough energy, if only yada yada. Well, it's time to actually change the status quo and that is causing our staff to have the highest turnover ever. Now it's going up to 40%. And our patient satisfaction are truly decreasing. And all because we don't have the time and energy to give to them to take care of them the way that they deserve. And that's why I truly want to revolutionize, especially the private practices. How are we growing? How are we building that area? We are seeing the American Medical Association seeing 
a hundred twenty-two thousand physician shortage in the next ten years, and that's not even including your PAs and MPs who are the providers who are helping. And we also know the newer grads; they're not able to bring and bridge it that significant amount of gap, right? In, So if people are all leaving medicine and people are all pivoting out, who the heck is gonna take care of the rest of us when we actually need something? Yeah, I heard a lot about this this incoming doctor shortage. So the work that you're doing with private practices to prevent that um, medical professional burnout—that's what I really want to want to talk about for the for the rest of our time here. Both uh, because we do have some. You know, business doctors who listen to this,、uh, doctors who own their own private private practice, but also because if this is something that can reduce the stress of a high stress job like being a doctor, that is very much applicable to the high stress job of being a business owner.、Uh, many doctors have to be business owners, and many business owners have to operate at the level of sort of a doctor. So. Talk us through just the overarching principles of the way that you approach this with your clients. Yeah, such a great point.、Uh, I believe yes, our environment needs to change, but what first need to be optimized is from within. Now, all of us are experts in what we do. That's why we're successful. And that's why we can create a business. Whether you're running your private practice, some people running. Multiple franchises of clinics, or for from just purely business side, there are people growing their team into hundreds and thousands, right? And that doesn't start just because you have skill. The number one factor in truly leadership in how you can influence other people is confidence. Now, confidence is actually very much tied into courage, and confidence is. Very much fragile because we can be situational. We can、um, believe that we are able to provide knowledge, skills, sets by a event that we walk into. But if something happens, right, a discouragement happens, then we may feel bad about ourselves and. Completely forget how many amazing case studies and people that we have helped and achieved. So that's number one thing. And do you think that that's sort of a matter of not getting your into your own head about failure? Right, it's all perspective based. And、um, what we talk about in positive psychology, one of the pillar of the six core foundation that I help my clients with is to break down. Which one of the ten do you have? And some people have multiple, but that's okay. We can just focus on the top three, trying to diminish them by doing neural remodulation. Then we can pivot immediately in this core foundation of optimization, what we call Sage. And how do we do that? Is by I make this super silly. Uh, of the ten sabotaging tendencies we all have, 
We have to first accept that we have them, right? And then it's okay that it's not us. It's simply this persona that we created from our past experiences, from how we were brought up, from whatever way that we learned what's acceptable, what's not acceptable. So let's just call it out, right? Your master judge for me, I called it itty bitty shitty committee. Right, and the the one that's like a little choir that's always chiming at me. And if I notice something's <laughs> not going well, I totally just be like, "Yo, stop singing! I'm not hearing that." Right? That the- is so funny. With my clients, we name we call them the the shitty voice in our heads, and we name them. Mine is named Becky. Sorry to everybody who's named Becky. Um, but like, I would never let another person trash talk me the way I let other people, like, like I let myself trash talk me. And so naming the voice in your head is the same idea where you're, you would never let somebody else say this. So why are you letting Becky say it? I love that you called the itty bitty shitty committee though. That is so cute. Yeah. So everyone, uh, just so you're saying, everyone has a name to it. So now, well, there are 10 of them, right? You can give, once you are able to do the psychological profiling assessment, you can name all of them if you want to, or you can just name the big one, right? The big judger who's going to judge you for what you done, what you didn't do, how fast, how slow, how imperfect, right? And then you become the person to say, I'm not judging myself anymore. I'm judging this persona that I became at the moment of the situation. And therefore, we take ourselves out of that situation and become more neutral about what had happened. And then we can do exercises to put ourselves into that more peaceful state, that more focused state and more energetic state. Then we become more what resourceful, more curious, more innovative, and then more empathetic toward both ourselves and others. And then we can truly create and think logically to move on. Now, the other flip side of it is that most high performers are way too logical. We call them hyperlogical, right? And then it's actually a tendency that we feel like every step has to be calculated out. Every answer needs to be there before I act. So some people also call them the paralysis analysis. And that's when we stop practicing receptivity means the two spectrum of psychology of lack in receptivity is either, oh, if I if I receive help, how do I pay them back? Is that my resource, my time? What am I going to do, right? Or a small example is like in a gro- grocery store, right? Uh, you have a bunch of bags and someone simply offer you, do you want me to help you bring it to the car? And s- half the people would say, oh, no, thank you. I got it. Instead of receiving that help, most of the time, people probably just come out from the goodness of their heart. However, in our own head, maybe we have learned that this person is going to rob me or this person is going to uh, somehow like need something from me, right? So if we pivot into the negativity part, right, the survival part of our brain, we're never going to see the other person that offered us on the table. Now, the other spectrum is I am too good. I can figure out anything in life. Why would I need your help? And who are you to even tell me this, 
right? So then that go into the completely other spectrum of you actually going to spend your time and energy doing something that you have no natural talent in, and you're not a genius in, and that's such a time waster and energy killer because you can spend hours. On、um, making a spreadsheet of accountings and data entrance, but those are low level, low ROI work, and you actually decreased your value down to something that you can pay someone else thirty, forty bucks per hour for. I think that that's something I see all the time is the unwillingness to delegate, particularly at the beginning. I want to rewind it back、um, and really capture your your overarching argument here. It sounds to me as though you are saying that a huge source of the busyness and the frustration and the stress and the burnout that we see in high performers is actually extra work they're doing in their own brain, extra work they're setting themselves themselves up for, or their itty bitty shitty committee is setting them up for.、Um, they're overthinking, they're self sabotaging, and that is draining away energy that could be used on the things that they want to do or the things that they need to do. Is that a is that a useful summary? Yeah, exactly. It's that many times people seek for just task space, right? The seven most effective people in the world, right? They are just seeking strategies to fix the problem instead of solving the root cause of the problem. And the root cause is what type of tendencies and behaviors we are stopping ourselves. From getting where we need to be, right? We're creating our own upper limit problems. It's not the world that are doing this to us. Yes, it's a contributing factor, but we have the power to change our behavior, our attitude towards something that make it work for us. At the end of the day, every situation, every experience is a gift or opportunity. And if you cannot learn anything from it, then we have to know it is what it is. We cannot change it. Then it no longer serves me. Then we move on. When you are meeting with these high performers, you are assessing, you know, what are their particular pitfalls? Where where do you start? We actually start by creating that new desire. If we don't know where we headed. It is difficult for us to create any type of path to get there, and if we don't know what that end even look like, then we cannot reverse engineer. I believe many of the downfall is people start to losing their aim in life, and they start to do a lot of things, a lot of different projects, or even say yes to additional clients and patients when they already at their wit's end. When they're already super st- stretched thin, but the lie that they told themselves is, "Oh no, that person had to wait, or they were late." But maybe I'll just fit them in. That's okay. But that means you have no boundary with other people anymore. And so we start by, "What is that true desire that you have?" Some people don't even know. So then we have to backtrack to, "Okay, how do you even define success?" How do you even define freedom? What does time mean to you, right? And、uh, if you still couldn't answer that, now we backtrack to who are 
the people that has played a major role in your life that you admire, and what characteristic do they have that you want to embody yourself? And therefore, we can write down and put that into our system to say these are the three primary value system or the three major outcome that I wanted to see in my business in my life, and then we can create additional ways to make those things happen. and And so that's really the number one step before we go deeper into the rest. Yeah, that's great. Having a a what we in in full focus call our our vision, right? Where we want to get to, what the world that we want to create for ourselves and for others. I love that you start with that. And it sounds like then you are taking them through identifying what are their particular roadblocks on on sort of the journey to get there. In particular, I see that you are very much focused on we in coaching like to uh, sort of classify problems into one of the three Ps. And I actually don't remember the guy who invented the three Ps, uh, but someone will get credit in the show notes. Um, Every problem can come down to a project that you have to problem solve around. There's something about the logistics of a project that needs to be worked out. And that's a coaching moment. Um, There's something about another person. So interpersonal communications or managing somebody under you. That could be, need to be worked out. But you are working with that third P, which is about patterns. And patterns are these, these internal things that prevent us from doing our best work or prevent us from engaging with products or with projects or with people in a really productive way. So the pattern work is that internal work, that upper level what is going on? What are the things that you need to work on in your own mind in order to interact with the world better? Right, exactly. It's that, yes, communication is definitely a huge part on how we function. However, if you don't even know your own internal uh, internal pattern, as you call them, then it's hard for us to say, how come I had a harsh conversation with someone? I didn't mean that. Or how come they perceived as I being tough on them, but I was just trying to be helpful and then explained a little extra, right? And so, so for us to be effective in engaging with other people and setting the right things and knowing what is our natural genius zone. For uh, for those of you guys who have read The Big Leap, right? He talks so much about the upper limit issue. It, it's revolved on all of us who are already successful in different way of your life. And how come we have the tendency of not feeling that we can be happy all the time, right? We always start to create an issue. For example, mom and baby is pretty simple example to see. Even at your best moment, even when you are so peaceful, putting cuddling with your baby, then somehow our brain creates scenarios that something bad is going to happen. And then our gear kicks into the rush of, oh my gosh, instead of enjoying the moment of peace and joy. And in business, we might have, what, made a, a million dollar deal. But then what? The, my client would immediately say, what am I going to do about it? What if I couldn't deliver it? Do I have enough time? Right? All these negativities start 
to spiral into our brain. We know this is because our primitive brain are customized in scanning and creating and rationalize all the possible downfalls that we can get into, so we survive. However, for any one negative thought or experience that we have, we need at least three. So, seventy-five percent versus twenty-five percent rule of three of the positive ones to overcome that. So, if we don't know how to identify when these negativity pop out and not be afraid to face them, then we don't also know how to build in the tiny positivities. Into our life, it's not about oh, I have time to man- do a manicure, to go on vacation, to take a spa day, right? That is waiting for the right moment. Instead, in the micro dosing of throughout the day, I call them mini mental vacations. You can do different exercise to put you back on the right track consistently, so you are not in the roller coaster. I love mini mental vacations. Give us a couple examples. So some of the example we really just feedback to the biofeedback, and some people would think, oh, meditation. Even some of my clients would routinely do a ten twenty minute one, but it's hard for people to really think about blocking that time out or just actually put themselves in a place to do it. So what I propose is that we know bringing down. Your heart rate is actually by quick breath in and really slow breath out. So we can begin that way, or whichever breathing modality that you like the f- most. You first do those two sets of really nice central channel breathing, or the、uh, Wim Hof method, or whatever you have learned to bring yourself into that slower heart rate, and then. You pick one of the five senses. I usually recommend people not to pick vision because visual cues are most distracting. Unless you're more advanced, then you can pick vision. We live in a very visually distracting world. Exactly. So the best thing would be if you close your eyes, and、um, the people who like touch, you can simply find a different surface and lightly glide your fingertip. To that surface, and all you care about is how smooth, rough. What's the context of that surface? You don't want to analyze in your head what are you actually touching, right? We're not trying to kick in our prefrontal cortex for the analysis part, but simply go back into our midbrain of that emotional part of how good am I, or even just a finger to fingertip where you feeling the. A smoothness of your fingers are your hand cold, warm, moist, dry, and maybe your fingernail is smooth or you have a little about of edge to it. So only thing you're feeling is that different contextual. And same thing, smell.、Um, some people use a little bit of essential oil, and just to notice what's the differences. Sound you can do is what's the closest sound that you hear. What's the furthest that you hear, right? And then any time that additional thought come to you that are not related to simply put yourself back into that emotional calm state, then you tell yourself 
you're forgiven and you're not serving me, and just let them fly by you like the wind just blow through your face, and not noticing them whatsoever. And this is important also when we thinking about concentration of time. Now, when I work with people, they feel like fifteen minutes is forever. It's because we put ourselves by first do a quick exercise, put ourselves into the right state of mind, and we match their natural energy cycle of where is their peak performance hours. Everyone only have two to three hours. A day that are most concentrated that you can perform on your highest level, but because your own circadian rhythm, there are four major types in、uh, general human beings. If you don't know, then you can really allowing yourself or other people rob these precious moments. And also, when we do do these block of time, it's not about. My goal is to achieve, to to finish, right? To make sure this is done. Then you actually put more pressure on you. But the goal of when you go into a time block is that first, I start it at the time that I wanted to start. Two, I end it at the time I end. Three, I did do only the work that I want myself to do in those block, and that's it. And then you actually feel better about yourself because you're there's no criticizing moment, there's no judgment, right? My shitty community is not telling me, "Oh my god, you're working too slow." Oh my god, did you see that time is、uh, ticking away, right? That all these things are no longer there. I love those questions. So, to to recap, when you do these deep power times, you're not focusing on. Finishing the to-do list or checking off the maximum number of hours or tasks, you're focusing on using that slot of time and honoring the boundaries of that slot of time and staying focused, not doing things that weren't on the list, not procrastinating. I love that shift in focus away from productivity.、Uh, if you listeners have been around Full Focus for any length of time, you'll know I hate the term productivity. I don't believe that humans were created to be productive. Um, that's a really great mindset shift, and I'm gonna blatantly steal that from you. So thank you. Yes, <laughs> this is you. You can see that multiple things are connected together, right? We talked about how to reset our energy by our best moments. I think people are forgetting that they have good moments and they have best moments, and that's the same thing when I mentioned the upper limit issue from Big Leap. Is that there are four stages of how we function? The genius zone, right? No one else can be us. We are true expert, and then the excellent zone. We do well, and other people might see us from doing well, but it's not the same as genius. And a lot of people stuck in that excellent instead of so focused on genius, and therefore it's a distraction. And then the next one is conf- competency, then incompetence. Of course, no one wanted to stay in the incompetence. However, if you do any type of work that's discouraging, dismay, you feel dreadful about doing that, and a lot of time, it it is something that incompetent, right? If you're trying to make yourself learn something that you have no idea of, then. You need to hire the expert to help you to get there. Instead of doing all these zigzag ways, feeling self-taught is fine. Then you spend hours and days and feeling even more frustrated because you're not getting that result that you want. 
versus the experts who have been doing this forever, and then they can give you the shortest path. So that part of it is also from our sabotaging tendency, right? We, whether it's judger, if it's hyperachiever, hyperrational, or we we hypervigilant, right? Constant warrior or pleaser. They're always going to be able to identify some of these tendencies. And then we can say, all right, now how come I'm not playing full out? How come I'm not allowing myself to only work in my genius zone. Um, what it, what is it? Is it truly about delegation, or I just don't know how to create that system? Or maybe I have all these business consultants that build me systems, but I'm still not working in that. Right? I just know it's good to have, but I somehow I default into myself. So all these are connected from our psychological self mastery to our true energy of where we uh, lay and understand what system that works well for us instead of constantly adapting other people's system and then creating a new pattern, as you're saying, that will work well in our favor. Then the very last thing I talk to people about is that you're true creating that influence. Uh, as beginning of the show, we mentioned confidence. That confidence also in terms into how do you attract only the A players that fit your own culture. And therefore, you have to know what that culture even look like. Who else is in your team? What kind of dynamic you have? How are they placing and influencing each other to create synergy? And sometimes that one or two people who are no longer are serving the team, you can wish them luck and let them move on to their next phase. And some of my clients, they will say, oh, yeah, my therapist is doing really well, but seems like the past few months, they're not pulling the way. And then they start seeing this downward flow of their performance. And they stop actually reviewing things with them. And because the concept I heard is that, oh, Sabrina, I just don't want to be confrontational. But is it really confrontation? Or is it simply a difficult conversation that you feel uncomfortable to talk about? But if you're not addressing this, if it's not handled, if they're not changing, then you're actually negatively impacting the rest of your team, your clients, your patient outcomes. Beautiful. Yeah. We see a lot of people who are unwilling to have confrontation, however they define confrontation, uh, even if it's not something that I would consider confrontation. And that is one of those deep fears that, you know, that internal work that we really need to, you know, work through and get over as business owners. So I love that you brought that up. Um, I would love to uh, sort of wrap us up with a little bit more about you and how you stay focused in your business. Yeah, good question. I practice really in a way of I'm very intentional on, okay, so today, usually Thursdays is my day away from the hospital. So I have ways that I block out my calendar with a bunch of automations. And so I have certain time that I would do speaking engagement, certain time I would do collaboration calls, certain time I'm just only wanted to do my own work. And that means whether I only gave myself 30 minutes to check emails or uh, creating this new 
program I'm doing or have a collaboration effort. So I put these desktop、uh, clock on. I don't use my phone for alarms because you know it's gonna get distracted by any other notification. So I just encourage everybody. And I actually buy one for my client. This these tiny little desktop、uh, auto alarm where you just turn and then the timer goes off. And to add on to that,、uh, typically I non-negotiable is once the timer goes off, I will take my five minutes break,、uh, do some jumping jack, do just walk around, go to the restroom,、uh, cuddle with my dog, whatever that is. And so then, I'm intentional also to cut myself off at certain hour because I know my brain. I'm the midday person, so my best hours are going to be in the mornings until early afternoon. Then I sway, and then I do different exercises and different things to bring myself back up.、Uh, however, I cut myself off because at nighttime I want to hang out with people. I want to have conversations with friends or with people to. Build experience with, um. So I'm.、Um, that's why I feel like life can be not a balance, right? It's balance is almost impossible. But you can create harmony by intentional to say, I have set amount of time, set amount of things I do for all area of my life. Therefore, I don't feel that I am chasing something or I'm lacking in any way. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. It has been a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me, and thanks everyone for showing up here. And you're showing up for yourself more so than just listening to us. Thank you for spending your time with me, Elizabeth Tolis, here in the Emerald Office. If you want to hear, watch, read, and learn more about entrepreneurship, focus, and living a life of impact, I invite you to check out Full Focus Entrepreneur, where I coach small business owners to be more effective, more organized, more profitable, and more impactful. If you're interested in listening to more of me talking to myself and others, please check out the Emerald Office, where all the episodes for all of my podcasts can be found. Both the Emerald Office and Full Focus Entrepreneur, as well as my social media and the show notes, can be most easily found at elizabethtolis.com. And I want to specially thank Eric Tolis, who made the sweet backtrack you're listening to now, and Maria Carius, who made the beautiful artwork that graces this podcast cover. A link to all of Maria's art can be found in the show notes.